is the horror welcome back thanks for joining me this saturday we're going to hear from columbia workshop this week a cbs series that aired from july of 1936 to april of 1947 produced well over 300 episodes our story today is from february 15 1940 it's titled double exposure they talk in connection with the anniversary exercises of the boston college law school scheduled at this time has been postponed to a later date at this time, CBS presents the program regularly scheduled for this period every week. The Columbia Workshop. Tonight's workshop production is adapted from one of the famous one-act plays presented by the Grand Guignol Theatre of Paris. The Grand Guignol is a unique institution in the world of the theatre, enjoying universal renown. It produces only a single type of drama, the horror play. The specialty of the house is giving the audience the shivers. The stage is considered practically bare when there isn't a course on it. However, the Guignol repertory also includes horror plays that set ingenuity above goose flesh. Like good Frenchmen, the authors strive for finesse. The play presented by the Columbia Workshop tonight is called Double Exposure. The authors are Maurice Lavelle and Etienne Ray, and their play has been adapted from the French and prepared for radio by Aubrey Wisberg. <laughs> Number 12, Rue Amélie, the home of Philippe Gagné. It's 11 o'clock in the morning of a late autumn day. The street is a quiet one. The house is a quiet one. Life sleeps without. Death sleeps within. Silence shrouds the house. The shades are drawn. The rooms are hushed except for... Be quiet. It's mournful enough without you whining so hard. Oh, poor Zizi, yes, I know. You loved her very much, too. Can't they leave us alone? Even death in this house isn't respected. I'm coming. Lie down, Zizi. Good dog, lie down. Quiet, Zizi. Yes? Uh, good morning. 
I wish to speak with Monsieur Philippe Garnier. My master does not wish to receive visitors. It is important. No business is important to him now, monsieur. I understand, mademoiselle. Please, my card. René Souvar, representing Nicar and Favreau. Undertaker. That's right. But somebody has already been here about half an hour ago. Not from the firm of Nicar and Favreau. Oh, quite possibly. I wouldn't know being busy upstairs. With Madame Garnier dead only a few hours, I couldn't shirk my household duties. No, no, I, I understand. Oh, Madame was such a lovely girl, Monsieur Souvat. So bright. So beautiful. So gay. Oh, when I think cut down in the bloom of life, the tears, Monsieur, they say... I understand. I would have been here sooner, but circumstances beyond my control prevented me. You know, mademoiselle, that Nicar and Favreau are the finest firm in the city. Monsieur we... Garnier gave me strict orders to admit no one. Do you realize madame has been dead only five hours? Certainly. Madame Garnier passed away at 6.20. Nothing escapes us. It is our business to be informed of these things. Under ordinary circumstances, I would have been here before 7 o'clock. I think the firm of Nicar and Favreau would be more deserving of their reputation. If their representatives weren't so impudent. We live on death, mademoiselle. When bereavement strikes, there are certain essentials to be performed. We only hope to serve as efficiently as we can. Permit me to leave my card? Thank you. Good morning, mademoiselle. Oh, uh, your pardon, monsieur. Quite all right. My fault. Uh, is this the house of monsieur Philippe Gonnier, mademoiselle? Yes, monsieur. I'm the physician from the death registry. Oh, yes. Please come in. Thank you. Quiet, Dizzy. I've come to ascertain the cause of death. Are you a relative of the deceased? No, Doctor. I was her companion and maid. Can you take me to the corpse? Uh, is there a member of the family around? There is her husband. If you will be kind enough to wait a few moments, we shall be prepared for you. We have almost finished dressing. No matter. I'm in a hurry. It's a simple, rapid formality. I shall tell Mr. Garnier you are here, Doctor. Here, boy, here. Oh, all right, all right, you unfriendly little pig. Monsieur the doctor, Monsieur Garnier? Yes. You are the physician from the death registry? Quite right. Please come this way. Thank you. Watch your step, doctor. Those two candles burning do not give very much light with the window shades drawn. I can see. Shall I raise the shades to give you more light? Oh, no, no, don't bother. I have only to lift the sheet. Won't take a minute. Do you mind if I take a chair, Doctor? Of course not. I can understand your feelings, Monsieur Garnier. Now, let me see. Hmm. Oh. Now, uh, only a little information now, and I'll cut this short, this intrusion. The uh, name of the deceased? Therese Garnier. Age? Just, just 20. Occupation? Well, housewife, of course. Uh, ill since two days ago. Name of the doctor who treated her? I don't know. We only moved here a few days ago. She was treated by some doctor in the neighborhood we summoned in a hurry. Here I... I have his prescriptions. May I have them? Yes. Thank you. I see. Illness of short duration, no consultation. Uh, did he tell you the cause of death? Influenza and complications. When did she die? At six o'clock this morning. I see. Burial will have to take place around noon tomorrow. So, so soon? The sooner the better. But why? Why such haste? Is there any valid reason for delay? 
Are you uh, waiting for relatives? No, but you see... Then 12 o'clock tomorrow, monsieur. We're threatened with an influenza epidemic. In the interest of all concerned, I'm certain that you'll appreciate the need for what you consider unnecessary haste. No one will benefit by delayed burial. I've taken the same steps for all deaths that I've registered in the past few days. I bid you good morning, monsieur. to take her away from me, Suzanne. The doctor thinks it advisable. You too? After the years you've been with me? Oh, no, Monsieur Philippe. But why torture yourself? Perhaps you're right. Suzanne, I want my last few hours with her. Alone. If friends come, Monsieur. Receive them. They will understand. I don't think there will be visitors. Few people we know in Paris are away. Let me bring you some food. Food? That would be sacrilege. At 12 o'clock tomorrow, they... they... Leave me, Suzanne. The seconds are precious. I must sit and look at her now with all my strength. I must engrave that still beauty on my heart forever. Yes, monsieur. This... This... What have you there? A letter. It came in this morning's post. For her, monsieur. A letter? Did the postman walk with faltering steps? Did his fingers tremble on the bell? Did he give it to you with streaming eyes and a choked voice? Monsieur? Was the whole street hushed? Did the hawkers, pushing their carts, walk on tiptoes and refrain from calling their wares? Surely all the city must have felt her loss. And paused a moment in sorrow. I know how you feel, Monsieur Garnier. I once had a loss. I couldn't understand how people could laugh on the street. How a man could buy a paper from a newsboy. How the buses could run and the passing gendarme wink so gaily at the concierge's daughter. But life goes on, Monsieur, for everybody else. So it stands still for us. It stands still for us who live. And goes on for whom? Her who has died. You read this letter for me, Suzanne? Yes, miss. If I could only weep. If I only had someone to weep with. To comfort. To be comforted. Monsieur, you wish me to... To read this letter? Please. To read it myself would be more than I could bear. Perhaps... Now that she is not here, monsieur, it would be well not to read it. There may be some crumb of comfort in it for me. Read, Suzanne. My adored Therese. Adored Therese. That's a beautiful beginning. She was adorable. She... Go on. I should not write in words. It should be in music. It should be in music. Yes, in music. The voice of some mighty organ richly singing. For she was music. She struck music in the souls of those who knew her. And she's music still. Even though she lies voiceless beneath that shroud. Do not, I beg you, ignore me any longer. For I shall die. I shall die? Strange. It's she who has died. 
I must see you, no matter the cost. One sight of you, one smile, one glimpse of heaven as a reward for the hell I have endured, I implore you. I shall be there Tuesday at 12 o'clock, come what may. Who sent that letter? Oh, monsieur. Who sent that letter? It, it is signed, Georges Marchard. Monsieur. He is punctual. Do you think he's come? Why do you wait, Suzanne? Oh, but Monsieur Garnier. Open. I can't. Open the door. How do you do? Is Madame Garnier in? Monsieur, you... Show the gentleman I... in, Suzanne. Oh, yes, Monsieur Garnier. If you please. Thank you. Monsieur Garnier? Yes. I am Georges Marchard. I know that. You know? I've been expecting you. What? I... You're surprised? I confess. Uh, You've come to see my wife, of course. I did. And you are confronted with her husband. Hmm. Your wife obviously informed you I would be here. She did not, monsieur. I intercepted your... your billet-do. I see. That seems to surprise you. Yes. As Therese's husband, there was no need for you to have done that. She would have told you I was coming herself. She's that kind of honest, loyal wife. You seem to have known her well, Monsieur Machard. Not as well as yourself, monsieur, unfortunately for me. Will you inform madame I am here? Nothing would give me greater joy and happiness. Eh? But there's just one obstacle. What's that? Madame Garnier is dead. You can't drive me away with any such poor strategy. It's no easier for me to believe what I've told you. I'm afraid it will take me years to realize it. You will please enter this room, monsieur. After you. Garnier, if this is a joke... You'll see how much of a joke it is when your eyes have become a bit more accustomed to the gloom. Now, do you see? Therese. Humorous, isn't it, Monsieur Marchard? Therese. What's that? Don't be alarmed, Marchard. It's only easy. Therese, pet dog. He, too, sees the humor of the situation. You, you swine. What have you done to her? What have you done to Therese? Answer me. Tell me. What? Do you hear what? What have I done? Nothing. Beyond worshipping the ground she walked on. Nothing. Beyond trying to repay in some small measure the great happiness she brought into my life. Therese. Poor Therese. She died early this morning. I can't believe I... I can't realize. Did you love her so much? We were to be married. She was my wife, Marchard. Before she met you. Before. That's one phase of her past I don't know about. Therese, like me, came of poor people. You must have known that. Yes, she was working on the stage when we met. She had a sick mother. I, I could do nothing in my penniless condition. I was only a poor photographer. I thought it best that she should marry you, Monsieur Garnier, and enjoy the things she should have. 
I stepped out of the picture. Her mother died last year, despite the best medical care. I know. When I learned that, I couldn't keep away any longer. I got in touch with Therese again. Oh? She didn't encourage me. The correspondence has been all one-sided. She remained the faithful wife, Garnier. You mean she was living with me when her heart was with you? Have you ever had reason to complain that Therese didn't conduct herself in every way as the loving, loyal wife you expected her to be? None. She gave you a full measure of happiness, I know. She did. I have no complaint. And now we're both bereft. I came here to see you as much as Therese, Monsieur Garnier. I was going to place before you the facts I've divulged. Throw myself on your mercy and ask you to step out of the way now as I did then. I've come up in the world. I could have provided amply for Therese. No one would have stepped aside more joyfully than I if by doing so I could have prevented this. At least I could have seen her from a distance, known she was happy. What have I left? Some poor tokens of a vast emptiness. Newspaper clippings from her professional life. Her last contract before she left the stage to marry me. I, I don't even have a good photograph of her. I have still less. Not even the memory of the two years you were married to her. I thought I was living in a perfect dream. And now I find it false. Much as Therese gave me, she gave you more. I had her presence. You had her heart. You feel no hatred toward me, I hope. I don't know. I don't know. Please, let me ask one favor of you. Let me take a photograph of Therese as she lies now. Something that will be truer than memory. Well, you won't deny me this. I've been denied so much. No. No, it's small repayment for the years I stole from you. But it will have to be done very quickly. The funeral? At 12 tomorrow. May I come, please? Your love for her entitles you to that. And the photograph? You may take it. Then we shall both be waiting. Philippe, what are you doing here at this hour? I had to come. Oh, it's been a very sad and trying day. You should have gone home immediately after the funeral. Tried to eat, to sleep. You look terrible. I couldn't go home. I could only think. They've taken her from me and I want to see her again. I must see her again. They'd hardly lowered her into the grave when I realized that I couldn't remember what she looked like. I couldn't distinguish her features in my mind's eye. Only a few hours and her face grows dim in memory. That's because you're over-fatigued, hungry. No, no. It's the dead slipping away from us. Take that. Obliterated. Therese's lovely features. Her eyes, her nose, her mouth, all fading. Wait. I can bring them back. For what? For a glimpse, for a brief moment. To stand suddenly before the mind's eye and then disappear? I can't face that awful emptiness. I want to see her again. At any hour I choose. I want to see her right now. As I saw her upon her bed for the last time when you took that photograph. Well, I haven't developed it. I can, but... Philippe, in your overwrought state, do you think it's wise to upset yourself by looking at it? Oh, it'll be a relief. A relief to have that picture in my mind, to see for all time. Please, Marchand, don't deny me. Well, come then. Let me turn out this light first. Give me a hand up. I'll lead you else you might fall. Through here. Yes. Now, be assured, my friend, her image is on this photographic plate for all time. Let's see... I'll place it in the solution, so. I 
I don't see anything. Wait. Now, see? The sides are getting darker. Perhaps the solution is too weak. No, it's quite all right. Now, see. That black rectangle. That's the bed. The pillow. Here, here are the outlines. And here, that lighter zone still in there. That's scary. My little one, my darling. Look, her hair. Her hair she was so proud of. And her hand, her dear hand. It's as if she were coming back to me. In just a few seconds now. They seem a slow process, but it's necessary. Precision is the thing. Leaving it too long in the solution is not good either because... Ah, now, now it's done. There. You make it. Yes. It's she. Wait. Wait, I, I must be losing my mind. Try to remember. Try hard, Machard. You recall how she looked when you took the picture? Yes, why? How was she? Tell me again. Her hands were clasped across her breast. That's not what I'm asking. Her eyes. Do you remember her eyes? Her eyes? Yes, were they open or closed? Closed. Are you sure of that? I'm quite sure. I remember very well. Lord, you see there. You see they're open. Open. It's impossible. Open, I tell you. Open here. Look. Give it to me. Her eyes are open. But how? How is that possible? That flare, that magnesium flare you used. She must have opened them under the flash of that magnesium. But she but was we're not dead. She was not dead. Yes? Are you the keeper of this cemetery? Yes, monsieur. I am Dr. Norday, the physician appointed by the court. Oh, yes, yes. Come in, please. The Therese Garnier matter. Dr. Legeron, the physician from the death registry, is here already. Go in, please. Uh, thank you. Dr. Legeron? Yes, keeper? Here is Dr. Norday, appointed by the court. How do you do, Doctor. How is it the family is not here yet, Dr. Legeron? We were notified of the court order for exhumation first. Monsieur Garnier should be here shortly. The keeper's attending to the details. They'll bring the coffin in here, I suppose? Yes, Doctor. It won't take long. The stone isn't even sealed. You're in the pickle, Dr. Legeron. Huh? Monsieur Garnier has lodged a formal complaint against you. An inquiry has been opened. I'm not afraid. Monsieur Garnier declares you issued the death certificate with unseemly haste. That's false. To what did you ascribe death? It's not our job as physician of the death registry to probe into the matter. In most cases, that's beyond our professional jurisprudence. And anyway, who can tell what caused death in a two-minute examination? And why don't you spend more time on it? How can we? We don't have time. It's like asking a military physician who has 150 men to see between 7 and 9 in the morning why he can't spare more than a few seconds on each of them. On the morning I went to examine Madame Gautier, I, I had 17 other deaths to certify in four corners of the borough. Just the same, Dr. Legeron. You I don't think... seem to sound very sympathetic, Dr. Norday. Of course, when it's a matter of violent death, ah, that's another thing. But the Garnier case showed no signs of violence or poisoning. And then, too, the attending physician had already stated the cause of death before me. I, if I had the slightest suspicion of doubt, I, I would not have issued the death certificate. It's unpleasant business. These stories of premature interment that go adrift among the public do us no good. 
Were there no reflexes? Of course not. Was the body rigid? Oh, yes. More certainty, Dr. Legeron, please. Yes or no? Well, not quite. I, I came only five hours after the death. Only five hours? The devil. It's scarcely legal. Well, let me repeat, I had 17 deaths to certify, started with those nearest to my home. I don't understand. If there was any uncertainty, why didn't you make the fluorescent test? If I wasn't uncertain, I tell you. We never make that test unless the family asks for it. They don't even know about it generally. You heard the story of the photograph which inspired Garnier to request a court order for exhumation, didn't you? Yes. Uh, here comes Monsieur Garnier now. Monsieur Garnier, my name is Naudet. I am the physician appointed by the court to witness the exhumation. Why this delay? Why hasn't the coffin been opened? It will be brought here where, according to law, it must be opened. Wait a few moments, monsieur. Wait, wait. Do you want to drive a man mad? Wait at the commissaries. Wait at the court. Wait for the keeper. Wait, wait. Usually, it takes a week to obtain a court order for exhumation, monsieur. You were granted the authorization with unusual speed. Because of the peculiar circumstances surrounding the matter. But think what minutes, seconds are worth. You don't want to believe she was buried alive. But I feel it. I'm sure of it. She's only been interred a few hours. Perhaps there's still time. Philippe, you got here, Jean. As fast as I could when I learned the court order had been granted. I'm Dr. Naudet, monsieur. You are the gentleman who took the photograph, I presume? Yes. Isn't it possible that what appeared to be the open eyes of the corpse was due to some defect upon the photographic plate? Perhaps. Ah, I see your worthy colleague from the death registry looking very hangdog in that corner. Not hangdog, monsieur. Badgered. Badgered for doing my duty. All because of a defect on a photographic plate, as Dr. Nuget says. And upon that filmy testimony, the court has sent in the motion. Oh, it's nonsense. Nonsense? Do you mean that I'm the victim of a hallucination, doctor? Oh, you've been through a great deal, monsieur Garnier. It might affect any man. I may be overwrought, but I'm not mad, doctor. If I'd been left distraught when you came to my house and signed my wife's body away in such a ferocious hurry, I might not have found it necessary to be here now. There was no hurry, Monsieur Garnier. Every precaution was taken. You scarcely looked at the body. Do you accuse me of negligence? Who says I won't have the right to do so in a few minutes? If you had any doubts yesterday... It was not my business to doubt. It was yours. But I have some now because of what I saw to you here. Because on that photographic plate, I saw the eyes of my poor wife. Wide open. Eyes I thought were closed for all eternity. Eyes looking at me for one brief moment, alive, awful, full of indescribable terror. Once more, I say all legal requirements were met. What do all your legal requirements matter against this terrifying possibility? Her eyes were open. Your own brain should be shriveling with the horror of it. You caused it by your thoughtless haste. Do you hurry now? Oh, no, not now. Yesterday, when you came to ascertain the death, you made a quick job of it. You arrived, gave an order, departed. And now you dawdle. Everybody dawdles. Philippe, I, I can't remain. I, I'll go into the next room. You, if you can, look and, and tell me. God, give me courage, your heart. Right here, men. Uh, hand me the screwdriver, Jacques. Here's the inscription on the plate, gentlemen. Bear witness. Therese Garnier, born November 15th, 1890. Died November 19th, 19- Open it. Yes, Doctor. Uh, Work on that other screw, Jacques. Easy there, easy there. Now, uh, don't touch the body keeper. Oh, I'll be careful, Doctor Noday. Lift the cover off. 
Pour that carbolic solution on the cloth, Keeper. Uh, more of it. A little more. This enough, Doctor? Yes, that does it. Now, uncover the face. saw her. Well, well, Philippe, speak. Rest easy, George. She... You mean we... We were wrong. Merciful. Thank you. Wrong. We were wrong. Philippe, come... Come home with me now. No. You go on home, George. What are you going to do? I... I have some few things to attend to. Formalities, you know. I'm leaving Paris early in the morning. I'll be out of France by nightfall. I may not see you again. I shall miss you. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, Georges. Good night, Monsieur Garnier. Good night, Monsieur. Good night. Monsieur Garnier, I... Good night, Therese, my poor little wife. I couldn't find it in me to hate Marchard for loving you. How could he help himself? How could anyone? I found happiness in my ignorance then. Let him find such happiness as he can in his ignorance now. Therese. Therese. Oh, my darling, he doesn't know. They buried you alive. The Columbia Workshop has just presented Double Exposure, adapted from the play originally performed at the Grand Guignol Theatre of Paris. It was written by Maurice Lavelle and Etienne Ray and adapted from the French by Aubrey Wisberg. Carlton Young played the role of Philippe Gagnier. Albert Hayes played Georges Marchard. Jeanette Chinley was Suzanne. Ralph Locke was Dr. Legeron. Reynolds Evans, the agent. Maurice Franklin, Dr. Noday. And the dog Zizi, Donald Bain. The music for Double Exposure was written and conducted by Alexander Semler. Next week, at this same time, the Columbia Workshop will present the Autobiography of an Egotist by John Lagerman. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. the horror for this week hope you enjoyed it you can find more from the columbia workshop past episodes of the horror thousands of other old-time radio episodes and our shoutcast stream all at relicradio.com like to help support us visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links you're how this show keeps coming every week thank you as always those who have helped out thanks for joining me today we'll be back next saturday with another episode of the horror